lot of discussion about evangelism in, in the church setting, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to make the assumption that there's probably a lot of other Christians who might be listening to this podcast. Um, and you know, there's tools for evangelism within the church. You know, there's things like books and um, you know all kinds of seminars and things. But I think if you look at church history, and I love history, the real place that served as the center for evangelism and the expansion of Christianity was the home. And it was using your home to reach out to other people. And that's really what, you know, we're just following Brenda and I, what we've seen the church do for thousands of years. So welcome to another episode of Engaging the Generation. That comment from our guest today sets the stage for this next conversation about making the home a truly intergenerational place for talking about life and preparing another generation for navigating this world. I'm Kevin Harper, your host. And I'm Sarah Greenstreet, co-host of Engaging the Generations. And so Sarah, I'm, I'm really eager to jump into this next conversation with our guests, Jerry and Brenda Vincent. You know, sometimes we forget about how much the home can contribute to the building of those intergenerational relationships, even outside our own family. And that's exactly what the Vincents have done. And I have to say, you know, they do it well because I've had the privilege of observing what they've done firsthand. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm really excited to learn more about this idea as well. The home is really a perfect place to help others feel welcome and safe. Uh, which really opens the door to do ministry and have yeah. rich conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to it. Welcome, Jerry and Brenda. Before we jump into our topic of conversation today, tell us a bit about yourself so our listeners have a little background. Brenda and I run a ministry called Family Builders Ministries. We've been around in New England for about 36 years, and uh, we focus on helping churches and individuals through counseling uh, and uh, the conferences, seminars in the area of marriage, parenting, and grandparenting. Yes, and um, when we're not doing that, we're having lots of fun with people in our community and kids in the community and enjoying every moment that gives us to share love. Jerry, um, one of the things people may not know, but that you also have been strategically involved with uh, the Christian Grandparenting Network and ElderQuest Ministries. You've helped us put together conferences and uh, all kinds of connections. So you've played a pretty strategic role. And in the process of all of that happening, I've had the privilege of staying in your home. I know at least four times. <laughs> yes, you have, Kevin. That's been and, a wonderful uh, lesson for us. Yeah. So that's and that's always been quite a fascinating experience, just <laughs> being able to see the comings and goings of people in your home young people in your home. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I first was introduced to was um, the fact that you guys have engaged with international students and have had exchange students in your home. I've had the privilege of even meeting a couple of those. And so tell us, just tell us a little bit about why you started doing that and mm-hmm. uh, why you think it's important. Okay. Kevin, let me ask you a question or Sarah a question. Do you know what the birthplace of evangelism is? The, the birthplace, birthplace of, the of birthplace. evangelism, yes. Hmm. Jerusalem? <laughs> well, okay. How about you, Sarah? That would have been my guess, too. <laughs> Jerusalem. There you go. Well, it's kind of funny because we hear a lot of discussion about evangelism in, in the church setting. And I'm, 
I'm, you know, I'm going to make the assumption that there's probably a lot of other Christians who might be listening to this podcast. Um, and, you know, there's tools for evangelism within the church. You know, there's things like books and, um, you know, all kinds of seminars and things. But I think if you look at church history, and I love history, the real place that served as the center for evangelism and the expansion of Christianity was the home. And it was using your home to reach out to other people. And that's really what, you know, we're just following, Brenda and I, what we've seen the church do for thousands of years. For us, we were at a place in our lives. Our kids were young and my father was close to 90 at the time. And it had been on our heart to go out in the mission field. But as Jerry said, we had that revelation of, wait a minute. Even though it says to go and make disciples, it doesn't say where. It can be in your kitchen. It can be, um, you know, in your yard. You don't have to go far to make disciples. So that really led us to a place of saying, if we believe in lifestyle evangelism, why don't we open our home up? Every corner, behind every closed door, like completely our lives transparent um, 24 hours a day and to go and make disciples. So that led us to um, reach out to the school and find out which ways we could do it. And my children attended a private Christian school at the time, and one of them was homeschooled at the time. And hence, we decided to invite our first international student to come and live with us. Mm-hmm. And we had also, I had seen this model even being used um, in college, actually. I remember there was a woman, a couple that I saw, they were part of a camp at that time, Campus Crusade for Christ now crew. And I remember she had this worn book, um, little paperback book on her table, kitchen table, and she was looking it over. And many of you know, I've heard the name Bill Bright. Well, this was by Vonette Bright. And Vonette Bright wrote this book in back going back 1951 here. And it was called The Joy of Hospitality. And she says how the home can be used as a bridge and it's a bridge to those who need christ and it's and what was interesting about it i've kind of always heard that word like hospitality yeah hospitality it's kind of entertaining people isn't it she said no no it's not entertaining people it's expecting god to do great through you as you reach out to touch the lives of others and i thought that was something when brenda and i got married i was always like well that's what we need to try to model that so uh, international students though was was that the first thing that came to your mind when you thought about fulfilling that commission uh, uh Christ? Uh, it really is it got for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we had done it for a long time, but it was I think with the international students, we saw a way that we could reach out and they were looking for hosts. They were looking, can you host students? And I want to encourage people, you know, if you talk to your school, if it's a secular school, Christian school, there's a lot of schools that are looking for families who are willing to host students and you know and uh it's a wonderful opportunity to bring students from other countries into your home and be able to share the gospel with them and you can it's like you're a missionary and you don't have to go anywhere so I, and again we had often had many kids in and out of our home but that was challenging us to uh not say goodnight you know and send them off on their little way back to Okay, they're all gone now. Let's, you know, be us. It that's I think where it really challenged challenged us to always have that mindset. It just brought it to the next level because we were always a home where all the kids wanted to come and play and 
we reached out to our neighbors mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it just became, a, it, it's been a way of life. Like Jerry said, since we were first married, we want to be very hospitable. It's one of our, um, you know, kind of goals. But I think the international students just put, it was never ending. So a lot of people I can imagine listening to you talk about that are saying, oh, man, I don't know whether I could possibly handle that i mean someone in my home 24 7 and uh they're you know they're bringing in probably their own way of doing things and ours is a different way of doing things so how how does that all play out it was very challenging especially <laughs> with our, our first student um she did not care for a lot of our family rules and you know little things like doing dishes and being courteous she was used to being um the one and only child and everybody waited on her so uh it really disrupts the family but it causes you to think about your actions and your interactions i know our youngest daughter she struggled quite a bit um in China, they often have a pecking order. So she liked this, my... This was a Chinese student. She was a one. Chinese student. And mm. she came over here and she really adored the older sister. Um, but almost shunned the younger one, didn't want to talk to her. She was very rude to her. And to the extent that I kept saying, okay, Lord, is my daughter going to end up thinking that about her childhood, that she had the stranger? Her home wasn't even a place of peace. And... Eventually, you know, the Lord kept saying, you know, go to prayer over this, go to prayer over this. And one day, I mean, she would not answer her at times when um, Lauren would ask our Lord's our youngest daughter. She would ask her questions and she wouldn't even look at her. Well, one day, Carol, our exchange students, came out and said, Mom, thank you so much for cleaning up my room and making my bed every day. And I kind of laughed. I thought, honey, I have enough to do. I'm not cleaning your room and making your bed. But then I realized, wait a minute, if I'm not doing it, who is? And my younger daughter, who was homeschooled at the time, had gone in there every single day. And I approached her and said, are you cleaning up Carol's room? And her response was, well, yes, mom. I, I know she hates me. And the Lord tells us to love our enemies. And I couldn't think of anything else to do. And she did it quietly. And um, so, yes, it's very tough, but it's also very rewarding. Wow. Do you feel like this? I mean, it sounds like it's definitely impacted your family and your children. Do you have some examples of like positive impacts it had on your children as well? <laughs> There's actually, no, that's the thing. I, I, it's kind of funny. We didn't rehearse this, but yeah. we started out with probably that's that's the strongest story. Probably people listening to this like, why would we want to do this? But, but, I, wanna, but I want to say to Jerry and Brenda. That is a powerful, powerful story of how you have raised your children to understand the truth and walk in it. And Lauren, to take that lead that way, mm -hmm. I, you've got to tell me the rest of the story before you move on to Sarah. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> Carol, I mean, we almost got to a vote. It was still rough for a while, like I said, until that situation happened where as a family, we kept saying, should we invite her back next year? So we, you know. And she ended up, uh, what year was it? The third year? The second year. She, second at the year. end of her second year, she accepted Christ. Now, I just want to now, explain a yes. little bit of something. Her dad was very high up in the Communist Party. You know, the, the, the Chinese students who come here generally very wealthy, very well-off students. Um, her mom and dad both worked in the banking industry, very 
very, you know, high up. And so her whole life, she was very pampered and very well taken care of. And they want to come here to America to get American education and get, you know, American culture, basically, and go to a good American university. And they pick a Christian school to attend because they know that they will be treated well, but admonished not to become a Christian. Whatever you do, do not become a Christian. But we want you to go to these schools because we can trust you'll be treated well. And the other interesting thing, too, they want to go to Christian schools because they want to go somewhere ethically where their ethics are taught. Mm-hmm. And they feel like in the public schools, that's not happening. So they want to go to private schools, private Christian schools. So she did become a Christian. And then um, the following year, she was baptized. And what we knew was the difference was when she came back home after summer vacation, she saw Lauren. And one day she just hugged Lauren and said, I am so glad God gave me you as a sister. And mm. I could only think back it, to this situation. It's the most dramatic. I mean, you read I about mean, things like people like, oh, I was using drugs and I turned my life to Christ. This, this was, was like, Carol. that was like, for me, it was the most dramatic change I've you know seen in somebody for a Christian. She just had a loving, gentle she spirit. She so on fire for the Lord and Bible studies. And so, it, you know, my children saw God working in her personally. You know, they were able to see the fruit of our prayers and sharing our lives with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we thank the Lord that they were able to see that because often, you know, you give to the Lord, but you don't see the results. And to this day, she still calls us, calls us mom and dad. She's at Tufts University. She comes home for holidays. And it's it's really it's like having lovely. another daughter. Yeah, it's like having another daughter. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned the positive thing, Sarah. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, there's so many good times playing games together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making, you know, they love to cook. A lot of the Chinese students we saw like to cook or at least show off their culture for cooking or doing different Chinese activities. So that's another neat thing that they kind of introduce um, to you. And then we know students, we did not avail ourselves of this, but we know a number of families who went over and invited to China yes. or invited to um, South Korea or different places of France or Spain and you know, they ended up getting invited over by that family. And, you know, so there's a lot of very positive things that happen for them. So let me, so let me ask you something. If if you were talking to older adults, over 50, over 60, um, would you encourage them to do something like this? Without a doubt, I would mm-hmm. definitely. Because it's, you know, they a lot of quote unquote older adults, 50s, 60s, 70s even, they have an open home, they have the time, they have, you know, and, and a lot to give people mm-hmm. like a Carol, or we had um, a Beverly is another girl. Now, by the way, I'm using names, they they usually take on American names. This is, I'm not giving their correct names here, Beverly, mm-hmm. or then we had two students with us and uh, two others, and uh, just a lot of funny stories. I could think of somebody. <laughs> what, what I would have really encouraged. I can tell you so many uh, stories. <laughs> uh, the, I'll just give one little one here. Just the funniest <laughs> one is we used to buy these half gallons. So you guys were in front of the you know, coffee. We were very hospitable. Kids drink coffee. So we got these half gallons of half and half that we'd have. And the half and half was going down really fast. Like, there's all this half and half going. And then we found out that the two two of our Chinese students were drinking it like, like milk. milk. So we're like, there's milk going. And they're like, this stuff tastes great. We're like, good thing you're out. So we were able to uh, 
invite my sister to bring an exchange student into her home. And unfortunately, my sister got ill for a short amount of time. And this exchange student had to come and live with us. So, um, but she calls us auntie and uncle because we've been very close to her mm -hmm. throughout this whole process. And she lived with my sister for three years. But she would say to me, you know, I just can't understand this. I know my parents love me, but you and my sister Nancy treat your children so differently. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. Mm. So as someone who may be a grandparent who wants to invite someone in, we are showing the love of Christ to them in new ways that they've never seen before. They've never experienced this type of love that as Christians, we shed and share in such a different way than uh, so many students maybe have never experienced, even though they think and know their parents love and care about them. But it's very different. So, you know, you may feel like, well, I'm older, I'm not a parent, but you still have that opportunity to open your home and be something they've never had. Would you give any advice to them at that at that stage of life uh, in terms of what their expectations need to be when they bring a, a student in? I mean, you obviously got your first student who was anything <laughs> but a follower of Christ and had very different expectations about culture as well as as faith and stuff like that. So uh, you were able to work through that, but you also had your children involved in that. Mm -hmm. uh, what would what kind of advice would you give to those who are older who might say, well, I'd be interested in doing this, but what do I need to be thinking about? Well, I think I think part of it is, is, you know, what's your heart or what's your motivation for doing it? Now, there is some people do it because there is financial remuneration. Some people do it because they want to be using it for evangelistic. But really examine your heart. Why are you doing it? Um, and is it, a, you know, really, it's a heart of what I call hospitality mm -hmm. and trying to transform your home and transform your lives into the gospel. And, and you have an opportunity to share with somebody. So I think you have to really examine what your motivation is for why you want to do it. Um, and then from there, really kind of think about, well, OK, God, I'm open for doing this. Where do you want? How do you want to use me? And, and a lot of and I will say this, Kevin, it's a lot of prayer, too. I don't want to you know, you should pray before you. You know, we had a lot. It was bathed in a lot of prayer before we just opened up our home to the student. Our neighbors who are elderly and they hosted a student and this student just loves them. I mean, oh, loves my, them. Yeah. They're uh, they're an older couple in their and, 70s. And he comes up, he's going to Northeastern University about an hour from here. He takes a bus and comes home to visit them. He, even after he graduated many years later, he still comes and seeks them out. And she's dealing with um, Alzheimer's right now. And he has just come to a place. He has such a heart for her. Mm -hmm. And it just lightens her light up to see him. And it's a sweet, sweet relationship. So they are feeling um, the return on taking that risk of opening their lives up again. And yet they feel renewed. They feel very renewed by being mm. around younger people. Their grandchildren live far away. And so this was a great way of um, bringing them together as a couple um, and a new mission, something to do together. And yeah, it's being returned to them. Mm -hmm. wow. That's mm -hmm. great.
I would say to seek if they're considering doing it, find other support system. Like we were support to the Murphys with carpooling or, you know, helping them. How's it going? What are you noticing with the cultural or um, any of the issues may you may have and understanding who you're bringing into your home? So my advice would be after praying is, you know, seek other resources and support groups to kind of help you navigate it. And if there are none, create one. Find other people. Get get your uh, several friends to do it together, and say, you know, let's have have um, times where exchange students and uh, you know the older couples get together, and you'd be amazed what could happen. Well, I don't know how many of us who are older adults have given much thought to the possibility of hosting international exchange students in our homes, but. Jerry and Brenda have given us something to really think and pray about. Uh, We do have to have the right motives, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it would be worth exploring and asking God what he might have us do in this area. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've seen this done in our community by my parents specifically. In Colorado Springs, we have a really unique opportunity to host Air Force cadets. Uh, that have to move away from home to attend the Air Force Academy and can be a really hard isolating time for them as they're learning how to be adults and learning how to be in the military and I've watched my parents open our home for eight plus years um, to these cadets and um, this has really been their ministry and the, the impact was immense and not only did it impact the cadets but open the door for my parents to have conversations with my siblings and I about how serving and hosting um, to share the love of Jesus is really impactful. Yeah, and and any age group can do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be young adults and young families, any any age group. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you enjoyed this conversation and were challenged by this conversation with the Vincents, I want to let you know there's still more. In the meantime, check out their website at familybuilders.net. Next time, we will talk about how they created an environment where their home became a welcoming place for lots of young adults. Yeah, and this is definitely an episode you don't want to miss. So until next time, I'm Sarah Greenstreet. And I'm Kevin Harper, urging you to intentionally and faithfully commend the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God bless. God bless. (laughs) 